Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. We're back a week earlier than we said we were going to be because so much has happened, not only in the last week, but in the last two hours. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gus Paul and I'm once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet. Just a small group of them, a small unkindness of them. Today it is Ian Demain and back from his tour of Ravens Twitter's podcast scene and every podcast probably in the US at this point. Uh, the big man himself, James Ogden, returns to the show. Welcome back, James. Thanks, Gaz. Yeah. I feel like I should now introduce you as like, a, we've managed to reel in a big fish of a guest. <laughs> uh, every, t- every time I log on to Twitter, James is on another podcast. I'm hoping the uh, James Big Time Ogden nickname doesn't stick. That's 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 not going to sit well with me. I might try and get like, you know, like the old big show like intro from the WWE. Just try and... <laughs> get that but i'll be singing it and we'll just <laughs> introduce you with that what could possibly go wrong so what have we been up to then ian have you been on any podcasts across the internet this week no i'm, I'm obviously very small time there's no um there's no invites for me i'm not appearing <laughs> on on anything um so yeah right, nice guys. to see you back james thanks thanks for being here <laughs> right well enough of the niceties and the formalities this show script is probably four a four pages long that's because so, i wrote it yes well yes you did write it there's a table so we'll we'll see how bored i've got by the time we get to the table shall we okay let's first go into let's talk a little bit about around the league we are recording this at quarter to nine on tuesday evening and in the last one two hours two pretty big bombshells have dropped through twitter and it's all going a bit mad and it's all getting a little bit excited. Ian, I propose we start with Russell Wilson traded to the... In fact, no, actually, let's start with Aaron Rod. Let's do it in sort of some sort of chronological order. So the news came over Twitter that Aaron Rodgers signs a new deal with Green Bay. It, it did indeed. And there, there seems to be some arguing about whether he's actually signed it yet and, and how much for. I think it was... Ian Rappaport sort of said it's all done and, and dusted, 50 mil a year or, or whatever it is. And then Pat McAfee came straight out and said, I've got sources. I think we all know who his source is. Uh, <laughs> and and it's not signed yet, but it will be. And it's a very team-friendly deal and blah, blah, blah. But the short of it, Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay. Um, and he was probably looking forward to a few days of all the news cycles being about him. And lo and behold, two hours later. Yes. Well, let's very quickly just talk about Aaron Rodgers, James. First of all, NFL UK must be the happiest they've probably ever been this evening. Yeah, I thought they were going to try and get the tickets out quickly before he before he moved. But yeah, they're going to be very happy with that now. I think um, it's probably the thing for Rodgers is I do think it's probably the the right decision. You know, they're going to if he wants to kind of win a Super Bowl, they're going to tag um, they're going to tag Devontae Adams probably re-sign Jair Alexander. And then you've they've also the their biggest off-season acquisition was um Rich Pisaccia, who was the interim head coach for the Raiders, has gone there to be their special teams coordinator. If anybody watched that the game that they got dumped out of the playoffs, their special teams was that was possibly the worst game of special teams I've ever seen played. Um and so to get a guy like Bisaccia in Hopefully we'll we'll turn around their special teams for them. I'm just glad he's not in the AFC. 
That's all. <laughs> well, uh, Ian, so another team that were glad that they're not in the AFC. Um, one of our very first guests on the podcast, the Arrowheads Abroad, had some thing to say when Aaron Rodgers signed to um, some Broncos fans, didn't they? They, they did. They, they spent the afternoon tearing into the Broncos about how Aaron Rodgers had re-signed and they wouldn't be getting him and how that was the end of the Broncos and, you know, wave goodbye to the division again and la di la di la and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really should stop. They're like us at making predictions. Maybe it's, <laughs> a, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a UK podcast thing. Let's just never make predictions. So... What has then broken is Russell Wilson is getting traded to the Seahawks. Ian, you're always on Twitter. Have you got the pick compensation in front of you, by any chance? Traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos. So it's two first round picks, two second round picks, a fifth round pick. I'm doing this off memory. It's Noah Fant, who's just destroyed my dynasty team. It's uh, Drew Locke, who I think is a chuck-in, and a defensive lineman, Shelby Harris. I think I think that's it. And going the other way is Russell Wilson and a fourth, I believe. Um, so as if the, the AFC wasn't stacked with quarterbacks enough, add another one to the mix. So yeah, the AFC West is now Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson... And Derek Carr, who look, is an okay quarterback, but the Raiders, the Raiders are really in a tough spot, especially with everything that went on last year. You've you've got to think that they're going to be. I don't know what James. If you're the Raiders, what do you do? Do you do you try and upgrade at quarterback, or do you just sort of build the best defense you probably can now? I don't really know how you upgrade at quarterback now if you're the the Raiders. Like what? Who 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 yeah. is that? Like I just I'm. Because it's not a guy in this year's draft. Well, Carr played at a pretty high level for large portions of the season, but yeah, you, how do you compete with with those three? Um, the biggest problem, really, for competing with those three is that Russell Wilson's still like still got a number of years left. Like this isn't a this isn't a thirty eight year old who's done. Like there's there's a lot of years left in him as well as Herbert and Mahomes, who are going to be around for a very long time. So they're going to have to get younger at that position soon, and they, they may have to go in some kind of rebuild at some point. And everything we talked about just after the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow, and you can't just assume you're going to get back to the Super Bowl. That that path is really, really treacherous now, isn't it? What we've, You've got, as I say, we've got Herbert, Mahomes, Wilson to get through. You've got, who else have we got in the division? Josh Allen. Josh Lamar. Allen. Yeah, Lamar. Uh, I'm just looking at uh, Dave Portnoy's tweet out. He's put Mac Jones at three and Lamar Jackson at eight. What an <laughs> absolute homer that guy is. God God bless him. God bless him. It's, okay. um, it's two two moves that have really like shaken up the... So there's a lot of teams out there that, that need quarterbacks. You look at the Steelers, look at Washington, who apparently offered more. They offered Seattle higher picks for, for Wilson, but uh, Seattle were, were keen to get him out of the division. Um, out yeah. out of the uh, NFC, so yeah, there's there's sense. teams out there that are going to be scrambling now for quarterbacks. You got to think that Russell Wilson had a say in it as well, and probably didn't necessarily want to go to Washington. I mean, the stadium literally leaks human feces onto the the crowd, so there's probably better places to go. Is it bold? Is it okay for us to assume that the two first rounders, two second rounders, will be this year and next year, or do you think they'll be spread out? I think it's safe to assume that. I think. Uh, or, may, or maybe not, I don't know. But I, I, I presume it is going to be that. And that will give them yeah. the ninth overall pick this year. 
um, which would be great if um, if they target a quarterback there. Uh, I something tells me they won't though. Um, I, I wonder whether that's not the plan. Um, but they, it's strange. It's a strange trade for the Seahawks. You know, I it, it, I don't. I'm find myself thinking that Denver overpaid, but then also find myself thinking I don't think the Seahawks. I wouldn't do that if I was the Seahawks. Is that possible to to think those? Yeah, two I don't things? Mean. Um, it, I just think it's. I said I was speaking to him before um, you joined us. I just uh, Pete Carroll. How old is he now? He's in his seventies, isn't he? C- can he be bothered to sit through a rebuild? Like I just think at this part, at that point, I've lost my star, the the guy who I've been building the team around, and I just think, oh, I'm out. So, do you think Carroll stays for the rebuild, or he maybe has a year of it and goes, or where do we, where do we stand on Carroll? I mean, if he is a seventies, he's a young seventy, isn't he? He like is full of energy. I don't know. It depends how long he wants to carry on working for. But he doesn't seem to sh- show any signs of slowing down, and this would be another kind of feather in his cap if they did. If they did successfully rebuild, um, it'll, I think it's probably exciting for John Schneider, who didn't really have, who's the GM there, who was kind of, you know, the him and P. Carroll worked very closely together when he first came in. And maybe this is a kind of John Schneider move and he gets to build a new team now. It's, I suppose they've got the picks. I, like they've got, a, they've got a decent nucleus there. So it's like if you get a, a QB and you, you know, that you could supercharge that. Well, supercharge it. it was already supercharged with Russell Wilson. You've minus <laughs> yeah. the charge, but you could bring. They're not like I didn't. They're not a team that you would look at and go. I think they should rebuild. But maybe oh, yeah. th- it is a thing though. In um, you know, it's a thing in baseball, and it might become more of a thing in in football, where it's just you know, you get close to the precipice and you say, right, forget it. Let's trade everything and and try and get back in. Uh, try and bring ourselves back up again. Maybe that's what they're doing. A team with a strong nucleus could just do with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, (laughs) for for argument's sake. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about Orlando Brown Jr. then. Ian, I'd sort of said in the season that I thought it started off a little bit slow, thought it might be something that turned out to be a one-year rental. He somehow ends up back as a free agent and the Ravens can pick him up and slot him back at right tackle. That doesn't look like it's happening, does it? No, it looks like um, Kansas are gonna are gonna tag him. They they gave away a first round pick for him. I think it it makes sense for them. He played pretty well, I think, but I didn't. I can't say I watched more than one game of Kansas this year. So, um, by all accounts, talking to people, he he, he did okay. Um, I I wouldn't imagine that they want to let him leave. They're gonna have to pay him eventually. Um, and it's not. I've seen a, a few bits and pieces on Twitter that it's, it's not guaranteed that he'll take the franchise tag too kindly either. So we've we've seen him before kick off a little bit with the Ravens when he was playing right tackle and wanted to play left. P- perhaps there's a, a stormy waters ahead. Um, might be one of those that says, you know, what, I don't I don't want to be tagged. I'm, I refuse to sign it, and we we'll see where we go from there. All, all speculation. James, how how did it look towards the end of the year? Have you watched much of him as as the season progressed? I watched a little bit. He's 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 looked good. Like I, I, it's a you know it's a it's a good decision to tag him and to try and get the the long term deal done. You want you want a, a blindside protector for Mahomes, and they don't come up, they don't grow on trees, and they're very hard to acquire if you don't have one. So I do think it's probably the right decision, even if they do have to overpay a little bit. But I think Ian's right that he may. 
kick up a bit of a fuss uh, about the tag and it might become a little bit difficult for them. But I would imagine they'll get a long-term deal done and they should do. Like he's, he's, he's a good left tackle in the league. You, you, you pay those guys. Okay. Calvin Ridley with the um, worst sports bet in history. He wagered $1,500 and lost $11.1 million and a year's worth of playing time. So, let me get this right. He was away from the team. He wasn't in communication with the team at the time, wasn't playing. However, I believe the wages he put on were um, accumulators, which included the Falcons in there. As sports betting... I guess it's nothing to do with the legality of it. It's more the fact that it's more the connection with the team. Am I, am I right in that? Is this punishment too harsh? Should it have been a slap on the wrist or do we think this is fair? I think look, looking around, you've, you've probably seen the tweets. I mean, it's brought up the Ray Rice thing again. You see sort of domestic, domestic abuse, two or three game ban. You see, um, you know, and the Adrian Peterson stuff. With, with his child or did he get six games or so for that and then people seem to think that you know this is a little bit over the top I tend to agree with them this is a little bit over the top from from a league that's moved into betting especially that you know they're, they're a big sponsor I, I can see why you don't want your players involved in it especially uh, the teams they're playing for but Ridley's not the only guy that's betting on on these games he's just the only guy that's stupid enough to get caught he did it from his own phone from his own app, you know, he doesn't seem the brightest guy, you know, get yourself a burner phone, get your mate to do it for you. I'm sure there's lots of this going on in the league. And yeah, I think the, the penalty is way too harsh. Yeah, it feels feels just disproportionately ridiculous. And it, it's also, don't forget, there was there's the term at least a year. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know what that means. So I just, it, it, I don't know, it, it boggles my mind, really. I don't, I don't really, I think you're right, Ian, it must have something to do with the sponsorships or something, because it's just, it just seems like a crazy suspension length. Yeah, I think NFL's DraftKings, and it's, it'll turn out that he was using FanDuel, and <laughs> because of that, it's been suspended. I assume there's going to be some sort of appeal coming, and maybe it gets reduced, maybe it gets extended, we'll... We will see what happens there. It doesn't really matter too much to us. Although we do play the Falcons, I guess. So depending on how the schedule uh, lines out, if we play the Falcons late and the suspension is lifted slightly, it might end up back in the lineup. We will see. And maybe he's on maybe he's on Ben's fantasy team. Maybe we, we might need to talk about that next week yeah. on Ben's back. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll, le- we'll leave a note on the show script to, talk about, to ask Ben next week. Uh, okay, a... Few franchise tags have been handed out. The sort of getting rumored and confirmed while we're on the show. But I believe the ones that are now official Jesse Bates, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, and Dalton Schultz are the other ones that are, are really impact. Is, is that right, James? Anything else you've seen come down? Uh, I don't think that. Um, yeah, I think that is it. it. It all kind of mostly. Oh, the other one that. Um, that that I thought was going to come down was Mike Williams, but he's been signed to a to yes. a long term deal. Um, so that's that's that. So the rest of them, yeah, that seems like the the case. There's a bit of rumours that Chris Godwin is working on a long term deal with with Tampa, um, which is really which is really good for him. I like Chris Godwin a lot as a player. 
Um, so yes, it just makes sense, really. Jesse, bit disappointing that Jesse Bates is still going to be in Cincinnati because he's a hell of a player. Um, but yeah, uh, Dalton Schultz and dynasty team is that good news for it for us? It's good news for my dynasty team because my my two uh, tight ends are Dalton Schultz and Noah Fant, who's just been traded away to the, the oh, quarterbackless. Well, it's just worth what. saying all that all that stuff in the, on Twitter and in the press last year about the last ride. Devontae Adams is tagged. Aaron Rodgers signs a long-term deal. Just rinse and repeat. Everything just carries on another year, doesn't it? So, good day to be a Packers fan, it turns out. Not a good week to be a Cowboys fan, though. Uh, James, it looks like the Cowboys are likely to release Amari Cooper. Um, and Ravens' Twitter went mad. It really did go mad considering that I'm not like this isn't so Amari Cooper is making you know he's making 20 million next year and that's why the Cowboys are releasing him because their cap hit the cap is is too big when they've got other things to do um I'm not sure they've managed their cap particularly well to get into this situation but there it is and Amari Cooper is like they will ask him to take a pay cut Amari Cooper will not take a pay cut because he knows he can get 20 million on the open market and there is no way there is no way he's getting that from the Ravens. The Ravens no. did that. They wouldn't be making any other moves at all um, in free agency. So it was just, it was a very silly pipe dream from a lot of people for a while. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a funny one from the Cowboys. Like I said, I, you know, lots of people think that, oh, the cap isn't real. Um, but the, the cap is real. And this is the example of it. You can, you can kick the can down the road a few times, but eventually it's going to come back and bite you and you're going to have to, do a rebuild job like the Saints had to do last year, where they 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 had to you know gut their team. So I do think this is this is something that you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a cautionary tale. Ian, any landing spots you can see for Mary Cooper? Uh, not Baltimore. Um, it's <laughs> it's one of those things. It, it doesn't matter who who the player is. As soon as someone's cut, Ravens Twitter is just yeah, you know, the eyeball emoji starts going out and. And everyone wants every player. Um, there, there must be some. I, I bet he ends up in somewhere like Kansas. Can you imagine that? So, so the, been... two t- the two teams I had in my head were Browns or Bengals. Mm. Feels like Bengals. Uh, yeah, Bengals. Christ. Why not? It just feels like they're just going to throw everything, throw everything at it. It's the Bengals. They're not going to back. They're not going to get an offensive line. We know this. They're just going to throw everything. <laughs> just at skill more, positions. more wide receivers. That's five, <laughs> six wide receivers. And hope that Burrow could get out in under a second. <laughs> Which, to be fair, if you've got though, if you go far wide with those four, it will be able to get out mm. in under a second. So, so maybe, it, so maybe it works. Um, and then, like, just to round up the around the league news, COVID's done. We've beat it. It's over, isn't it? The NFL have admitted it. It took a um, it took Putin to break into Ukraine, but finally, no one's talking about COVID anymore. So, James, is that affecting your? Is that affect your little combine that you've been watching this week? <laughs> why, why so patronising? <laughs> they, they they tried to put everyone in a bubble, didn't they? They and all did. The, all the agents kicked off and said, "No, we're not. We're not doing that." They did. It was quite. It was quite funny. They were sort of saying, "We're going to put everyone in a bubble." No one else is observing any COVID regulations, but you guys are. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's over. There won't be any. Well, it's not over, but there won't be any protocols next year, apparently, um, in the league. Okay, let's start talking about the Ravens. This is the UK Ravens podcast, not the NFL UK podcast. So let's actually start talking about our Baltimore Ravens. 
Eric Costa, Combine Press Conference. Ian, how is he messing with us this year, do you think? So he, he's good at this. He, he usually throws a few little bits out there and, again, Twitter pick up on them and, oh, we're, we're definitely going after this guy. Um, so the one I noticed was was the centre from Iowa. Uh, James, James can tell us his name. I can't remember. Tyler Linderbaum. Linderbaum, that's, that's the one. And he was going on and on about how he's, you know, a Marshall Yonder comp and this guy's the best centre prospect we've seen in ages and blah, blah, blah. But James and Cole have already told us this guy doesn't fit the Ravens system. He's very small for a Ravens offensive lineman. DeCosta himself said last year, we only want these massive guys that sort of over 6'5", 6'6", 300 pound guys. Um, and from everything that I know, this, this guy's going to be a really, really good centre in the league but just not for the Ravens. Um, and so DeCosta does this. He, he talks people up. He, you know, there, there was nothing about Lamar Jackson. They didn't even mention they, they'd spoke to Lamar Jackson. And it completely out of the blue when when they took him. So, I yeah, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up if you're if you're hoping the Ravens are going to draft Tyler Linderbaum. It's, it's funny, Ian, because the, the O-line, so he really, you're right, he really went to town on Linderbaum. Uh, but the other O-lineman he mentioned was Evan Neal and Charles Cross. And um, what's funny is there are probably, f- I think there really are five offensive linemen worthy of a, a first round pick in this year's, in this year's draft. Belinda Baum doesn't fit the Ravens, as you've already mentioned. Evan Neal will be gone already. Um, and Charles Cross also doesn't, I think you would probably take Charles Cross if he got there, but he's also not a perfect fit with the Ravens. Ike McQuano, who is the other uh, offensive tackle, is a beautiful fit with the Ravens. Trevor Penning uh, basically embarrasses guys for a living in the run game. He's the nastiest offensive lineman I've ever graded. So Iquano and Penning are perfect Ravens. And so it kind of speaks a lot that he didn't mention either Iquano or Penning, and he did mention the other three guys in the first round. So he's messing with people as he normally does, which is fun. He also says that the cornerback class is really deep and we could get a cornerback at any point through the process, which means that we're getting a cornerback in the first round. <laughs> Don't look us for corner in the first. We're never going to go corner in the first round and then he's going to get to the stand and pull corner. It's um, it's worth, while we're on the, the O-lineman, I think we, we missed it in the um in the franchise tag players. Didn't the, the Jags tagged Cam Robinson, didn't they? Yeah. So I, 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 I see a lot of mock drafts with people seeing them taking a a tackle with their with their first round pick, but pro- probably not the way they're going to go now. Yeah, um, Ian, just with you saying like uh, about Ravens fans like really wanting to take these offensive linemen in the first round. That's that's not the Ravens fans I know. I think everyone's going to want us to take. Uh, everyone likes flashy. You want a Ferrari in the first round. You don't want you don't want a, like a, a a workhorse pickup truck. You want a speedy wide receiver or a running back or a cornerback or a safety, or a, a, something sexy. A corner named Sauce. That's what everyone wants, isn't it? Yeah, Sauce. Who's, what is he? He's never going to put a touchdown in college, has he? This Sauce Garden or something. No, I think, uh, I, th- I think I'm on the DB train. Like, the more I, I get into it, I really think I'm on the, not not Sauce though, but I'm I'm definitely on the DB train. I sort of want to take this punter. No, this punter that's getting all that's getting all. Do you know? Here. I get I keep seeing stuff about Matt Ariza. Not, not in the first round. Sorry, not in the first round. He's. I think. Mark this down. I think someone is going to take him on day two. 
And wow. that's how, like, the guy is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen him punt the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not talk too much about a punter, but it, he's insane. I do think he'll go in day two, which would be crazy. Or, Jags or Falcons? Which, 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 which <laughs> Who traded for Kari Vedvik? Wasn't it the Vikings? The Vikings, the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we go there. Um, what else came out of it? It says the edge class is deep. Okay, fine. That could mean something. Could not. It looks like we're going to draft something at edge anyway, but it's going to be all about that offensive line and cornerback. Into the team. Ian, he seemed very confident that all three injured running backs will come back this season. However, that, that doesn't mean they're going to be 100%, do they? We need to sort of temper expectations on what we think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards can do this year. Yeah, I, I think we've we've spoke about that before, especially Dobbins. Um, I think we, we've spoken about um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if the Ravens go with three or even four running backs uh, on the roster at the start of the season and and don't really give any one of them that many carries to start with, um, really ease people back in. But, I mean, I've I've been following Dobbins' progress pretty closely and, and the guy looks as ripped as he ever has. He's working hard in the gym. Um, and I, I I think by the end of by the end of the year he'll, he'll be back almost to to what we what we saw um, and and I think the guy's a real star I think this, this would have been a massive season for him this year it was such a such a shame the injury came I, I, this is a really really deep running back class as well so I think they'll tag on a running back at some point in the middle rounds and um, watch out for Tyler Beatty on that front out of Missouri he's a really good gap runner which is what the Ravens run and he's a interesting passing pass catching back as well so they'll drop they'll they'll pick up somebody like him I think in the mid rounds I love that I've got you two on this podcast because you're so like professional and so prepared you know like people who we might draft Ian's there watching the workout videos in his cupboard James is watching men run around in their underwear and I'm, I'm learning about the Raven. I'm the, the quote-unquote host of the podcast, and I'm learning about all the Ravens news from the show scripts that James has written. So we've got we've got we've got various levels of commitment on this podcast. That's what that's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, James uh, Rashad Bateman thinks he's going to make a big jump. Impressed with the route running, hands, and attitude. Yeah, he, he seemed to be, like you mentioned, Bateman specifically, which is really nice. I think, uh, yeah, just exactly what you said. He seems like he's going to think he's going to make a big jump, but I don't disagree from what, from what you saw from Bateman. Uh, it does seem to, like, it does look like he's going to, he's going to play well. I think probably rule out wide receiver in the first round, but you never know. Maybe he was messing with us there as well. Oh, it's just, it's just all poker, isn't it? It's just all, it's, all storytelling and no one ever knows. And is it mock draft season? I guess is huge. But like, no, what's the what's the rough percentage that people get right? 20 percent of the picks. No one's. It's Very just little. It's just crap in it. It's just like it doesn't mean any, nothing. Nothing means anything at this point, does it? Although apparently in the Ravens draft room, you can you'll sit there and apparently DeCosta will will call out the pick of the next team. And he'll get it right like oh, really? 80% of the time. So, Wowzers. Yeah. Cool. So, Ian, let's talk about Lamar Jackson then. Do, do we know anything? <laughs> <laughs> do we know anything? Well, he, he, he hasn't signed a contract yet. Uh, if you if you listen to Eric DaCosta, he, he said that things were moving at Lamar's pace. Um, he said the Ravens have, have sort of made some offers. There, there, there was a piece, I think it was Jason Lacanfora, who came out and said the Ravens had offered 
35 million. I'm not sure there's much truth in that. He's, he's well known for sort of making stuff up this guy and just saying what he <laughs> wants. But, um, that would seem a very low offer to me. And, and if so, I'm not surprised Lamar turned it down. But, but yeah, Eric DeCosta said things were moving at Lamar's pace. And when he was ready, the, the contract would get signed. I think it's a lot of people are kicking off saying that Lamar doesn't want to sign a contract, why Roman's there, why there's no O-line, this and that. I, I think it's just a simple case of he he wants the money. He's gone to the Ravens, said, this is this is the money I want. They've said, well, we're not prepared to pay you that quite yet. And he's betting on himself, like Joe Flacco did. Flacco went to them, said, I think I'm worth more. They said, go and win a Super Bowl. And Joe Flacco did. And then he got his money. I'm, I think that's you know where Lamar is. They... They've said to him, this is what we'll offer you. And he said, okay, well, I'll go away. I'll have another year. I'll get back to that MVP, best player in the in the league uh, status, and, and you'll have to pay me. And the, and the Ravens will end up paying him, but it's just at, at what price. Um, the, the Aaron Rodgers news, if it does come out at 50 million, Lamar's probably sitting somewhere very happy right now. I think the, the danger for him with this is that he does like he doesn't have a ton of leverage in terms of the, the the situation he's in because he's now basically about to enter probably th- if he doesn't get a deal done there's three one-year deals that the Ravens can can have him on now one the first one being his fifth year option which will be this season then they can tag him and then they can tag him again and it won't be prohibitively expensive it will hamstring them and they'll have problems elsewhere because they'll have to have all of the cap hit in one year Sorry, guys. Don't want to bore you with um, with numbers again. But I, don't. He, <laughs> I wasn't but, bored by the numbers. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know why I to get across here. I wasn't bored by the numbers. I just couldn't understand them. It wasn't that they bored me. I just. I just couldn't process the information. That's all. We'll get you an abacus <laughs> for sure, the next I'm time sure we get Brian. Right I'm on. sure it was really, really exciting stuff. I just my <laughs> tiny brain would not work all those numbers out. That's all. Sorry. Go on. Um, so yeah, so he doesn't have a ton of leverage from that perspective from a contract from contractually because he could be playing on three one year deals, which is very risky for for any player. Um, so I do think it, I do think it behooves him to get the thing done at some point. But as to Ian's point, it, maybe it is worth waiting another year for him. Now there are some other con- there are some other market setting contracts that are probably going to get done in the next year, and at the moment the going rate for a for a QB is is you know four, 40 to forty five million, and as you say, Rogers looks like he may have reset the market at fifty, and then you know Justin Herbert might get done early. There's you know Joe Burrow might get done early. That that we're entering the the period where those those their those picks might start to have their their contracts done, and obviously we don't know what Callum Murray's going to get paid. So there's a there's a number of potentially market setting deals that might happen, and maybe Lamar is smart to wait. I, I think it's. I, I'm tired of all these these takes from from news people who get all their their information from agents about Lamar needing an agent. I, I like I I think he knows exactly what he's doing, <laughs> um, and you know I think he knows all this. I don't, me saying he's he's going on to three one year deals. It's not like he doesn't know that. Um, so yeah, the the weight might the weight might not be the worst thing for the Ravens either. That the cap's going to explode next year. It's going to go up. There's a new TV deal. So it's, it's going to jump by a lot. If if the Ravens get a deal done with Lamar next year, the cap's gone up anywhere. Anyway, we heard last week the cheapest 
years of Lamar's contract will be the first two years. So the cap's gone up. Lamar's cap number will actually come down in the first two years of his contract. So you'll have all that spare money in the first two years of his contract to go out and get some players to put around him. Um, after that year, three and four, his cap hit will go through the roof. So you've got to be clever about what you do with it going forward. But it's not the worst timing for the Ravens either. Dead money. Not to say ever. Remember something from last week? We're Dead listening. <laughs> and pushing it down, moving it down the line. Something like that. Oh, I can't remember. Voidable anyway, years. Voidable years. That's the, you know, that's the phrase I after. I told you, a tiny, tiny boy brain wouldn't work it out. Repetition. We'll, we'll cover it a few times over the next few weeks, guys. We'll, yeah, okay. We'll awesome. So just looking at the quarterbacks surrounding Lamar then. So Allen got done last year, didn't he? So out of the draft, Baker Mayfield, he's not getting done, is he? Baker's not... No. They'll tag him, do you reckon? Do you go down that? Or could Baker get released at this point? It's the Browns. Anything could happen, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, so Baker isn't getting done. Donald's not getting anything. Is Rosen even still in the league? Is Rosen gone now? No, he's he is still somewhere? in the league. He's got yeah. to be a backup somewhere, isn't he? Hanging around somewhere. And then Mason Rudolph, he's definitely not getting done anywhere. 2019... You've then got Kyler Murray. So it'd be interesting for the Ravens if Kyler Murray does get done first and where that sets. You've got, well, you've got to believe that Lamar Jackson's going to get paid more than Kyler Murray having an MVP unless Murray does something sensational. But he wants his deal now, doesn't he? Daniel Jones probably isn't getting done. Dwayne Haskins isn't getting done. Drew Locke has been traded. He's not. There's not a lot of people getting done that got drafted in the first round until you get to the 2020 draft, as you say, with Burrow, Herbert and... Tua, but even at this point, two there's no guarantee that Tua's necessarily going to get done. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with Kyler's offseason. If the Cardinals pay Kyler, that puts the Ravens in a bit more of an interesting situation because a similar um skill skill set player players getting paid and it sort of somewhat sets the market on where he should be. Okay, listeners, strap in. We're gonna talk about the combine. I, yeah, I yeah. give I give Gaz about twenty minutes here before he switches off. <laughs> I'm not going longer than twenty minutes. Don't worry. We're going to talk about the combine. So, I, I tell you what, James, I'm just going to hand the show over to you. Um, talk about the combine, and me and Ian will potentially drop in. All cards on the table. Not watched any of the combine, so <laughs> <laughs> not going not going to much use to you. So, I'll do what one arm do. I guess. Shall I set you up and I'll set you up and and just watch you go. So, historically athletic combine at many different positions. And so, so you did watch some of it then, Gaz? <laughs> I watched quite a lot of the show scripts, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so it was a historically athletic combine. The, the first thing I'll say about the combine is it is quite a good way, if you're if you're, if you're you're a UK fan who wants to kind of get into the draft, it is a good way to, to sort of be introduced to the prospects for the year if you're if you're not sort of following college and you're not watching anything or you're not sort of um, reading anything or being aware of it, the combine, if you tune in, it's, it can be fun viewing at times. Sometimes it's incredibly boring. Um, but what you get is you get uh, Daniel Jeremiah, who's a very good analyst who will, will tell you about the prospects and you'll start to learn who's coming up in that draft. So it is a nice way to, to sort of learn. Um, and when I first started caring about the draft about 12 years ago now, uh, you know, the first way in which I self-taught myself was by listening to Mike Mayock. So I think it is something to, 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 to potentially watch this, this year, 
So if we're going to we'll get, get straight into it, I think that the first guy to mention who has to be mentioned is Jordan Davis. So there's a, an incredible defensive line at Georgia this year, um, at the University of Georgia, and Jordan Davis was was one of those players. Um, so he's 341 pounds. So I translated this um, for my uh, family at the weekend so I could tell them so that they could get the, the grasp of how much this is. So 341 pounds is 24 stone. So he's 24 stone. 24.3571. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and he ran his 40-yard dash in 4.78 seconds, which if you extrapolate that over to 100 meters, it's 11 and a half seconds. Wow. So a 24-stone man, and he looks like he weighs 24 stone, by the way. It's not like it. he ran the 100 meters in 11 and a half seconds. So that would be a full, probably six seconds faster than I could run it. Is that when the guy I was fit seen, at my fittest. Is that the guy I've seen simulcast against Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes and he's quicker than them? And the beating them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, just yeah. checking. So yeah, I've watched some of it. So, so he's going to be a monster then, yeah? Yeah, and what perhaps more impressive um, was that he, the broad jump in the combine is a standing jump, you standing start jump, and he jumped over 10 feet from a standing start at, at you know, at 24 stone. I just, the guy's insane. He, that, that stuff shows up on, on his game film as well. It's not like he's just a workout warrior that we sometimes see where guys just test out the gym and then up there really show on film. When you look at him on film at Georgia, you can see the explosion. You can see his speed. It does translate to his film. And the questions with him are, he's, you know, he's 341 pounds, Tennessee, Alabama, a few teams, basically ran a hurry up offense to keep him on the field over long drives. And when he was on, when he was on the field for a number of snaps consecutively, he looked gassed a couple of times, but you will be gassed at 341 pounds. It's unavoidable. I, I, he, he didn't play a lot of snaps, but I also think that was because I don't think that was all because he gets gassed. I think it was because they had an embarrassment of riches at Georgia. And so just kept rotating in guys. So he's an interesting name and one that will be in conversation at 14 for the Ravens. That's that's all very thick southern southern warm air as well, though, isn't it? Like actually coming up to Baltimore, the I'm not saying it's going to make a huge difference, but I bet like you do find you you find yourself lethargic in the heat, and I imagine going out and playing in those like thick, dry, red hot climates is is not the the nicest of things. So so where does he go then? Where does J- Jordan David where does he play? He says his D line is will he go as a nose will he go So he's a this is where I can geek out just a little bit. I'll try and keep it to but he basically he's I don't think he's a perfect fit with the Ravens. So people sometimes people look at the 340 pound guys and they think oh Terrence Cody oh he's a nose tackle he fits perfectly with the Ravens. The thing with Davis is he's so athletic that actually he doesn't fit as well with the Ravens because I think what you want to do is line him up and allow him to kind of attack gaps and go at people and penetrate into the backfield. That's when he's at his mm-hmm. best. And that's not what the Ravens defense is predicated on. Now, that's it. you'd be idiotic if you were suggesting that he couldn't two gap because he's 340 pounds and he's a load and you can't move him. So he could he could translate to the Ravens scheme. It's no problem. But he he is a he is a big defense beast, deep, big beast defensive tackle who will stuff the run and he's also got some pass rush upside so that's that's where he where he'll play I think where he'll go he'll go in the middle of the first round somewhere so he's squarely in the conversation for the Ravens um, but 
again, I suppose there is a conversation around whether you can justify taking a guy who might not play, who won't definitely won't play a hundred percent of the snaps on defense. Um, so it is worth a kind of worth a conversation about that. I think he's that special that he should at least be in the conversation. But bearing in mind, I probably would also have just about fourteen players rated higher than him currently when you look at it. So he is he is right on the money of where the Ravens picking. Ian, what do you think? Where do you think he's going? Is it something you'd like to see the Ravens pick here, or are you looking somewhere else? I haven't seen anything of the guy apart from pictures on Twitter and, and he's a mountain he's huge there's no right he should be that athletic my my concerns are the same as what what James has has said you know uh, are, are you taking a guy that plays that few snaps that high I think if you take him that high and he gets to the NFL as a sort of top top 15 pick then his his snaps are going to have to go up um, he, he's going to have to show a bit, a bit more than that so it's definitely a need for the Ravens. D-line's thin. They need to get younger. They need to get faster. Um, and they need to get bigger. And that guy is big and fast. Young, big and fast. So it does fit all the needs. James, you've got here his fellow Georgia Bulldogs also had just as an impressive of a combine. Yeah, so if we're, if we're looking for younger on the defensive line, there are some other Georgia Bulldogs that we could take. Uh, so the first thing to say is, so there, there will be... Um, there will be f- four, four. Yeah, I'm all right. Four. No, three. There'll be three first round picks from the Georgia defensive line that played last, last season. There is a fourth first round pick who hasn't come out yet. He's not eligible for the draft yet, but he's definitely a first round pick. And they also, there's a first round pick that played at Florida State last year who was at Georgia, but had to transfer out of Georgia to get any playing time. And he's going to go in the first round. So they had an embarrassment of riches. The other two guys on the defensive line that are going to, that are going to go high is Trevon Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Trevon Walker first. He's a guy who, so, he he tested again out of the gym, which is ridiculous for his size. And so was Devontae Wyatt. Both of those guys. So Trevon Walker is more of a five technique, probably. Um, he was asked to do a lot at Georgia and he handled it. There was there are some concerns with him around his kind of pass rush. I do think he's a little bit slow to get off the ball at times. But he I think basically some of that is because of how much he was asked to do. There's a lot of fans of Trevon Walker, the way he the way he performed athletically will put him in the t- squarely in the top half of the first round, possibly even in the top 10. Some people talking about top five now for him. Uh, he's a great body type, great fit for the Ravens at, at five technique, and you'd be able to move him around. He'd be very versatile. So he's a he's a guy to, to think about. Devontae Wyatt is a little bit different because he's a he's definitely a penetrator. He's a three technique. Uh, I think Justin Matabike, before he came to the Ravens and, and, and had to sort of learn how to two, two, two gap, Wyatt is quite is also special. I think he's his explosion and speed is equally good. He's like Davis. He's you can't block him one on one. It's a nightmare. So uh, he doesn't fit the Ravens as well, but he's talented enough that you could maybe look at a plan to bring him in, change your defensive structure a little bit, um, and get him some opportunities. But like, all three. All three of those guys are possibilities for the Ravens at 14. I do, in the end, think they probably go in a different direction. It's a deep edge class. It's a deep defensive line class. So there's a chance that they, that they, that they wait on that and get something like that. 
So you talk about the deep edge class. Um, let's talk about Aiden Hutchinson now then. Let's let's get out of the way with absolute unit, probably the number one overall pick. Yeah, and a lot of people sort of looked at his, you know, so he ran a uh, 47440, which obviously was like almost, almost as like only just quicker than Jordan Davis. Um, and he's what, 80 pounds lighter, I think. So some people were sort of looking at that thinking, oh, what's going on there? But Jordan Davis was at absurd. Like, so the 474, uh, his weight is pretty good, actually, um, especially for a defensive end. Uh, he had really good explosive numbers. And the big thing for him was his um, short shuttle and three cone were very good, which shows his agility, um, which shows up on film too. Aiden Hutchinson is is the best player in this draft for me. There's, there isn't really a question about it. He's a clear for me as I grade people out. He's a clear grade above every every above the next the next player. So he should be the number one pick. Jacksonville might go in a different direction. They might go with offensive tackle. If they do, Detroit will slam dunk him um, into their defense um, as a Detroit as a Michigan kid um, going to Detroit. So his Michigan teammate David Ajabo, he's. Well, you've got to think of the the Michigan connection with with the DC coming in. Is that looking like a possible pick at for the Ravens, or is he gone? Is that too early, too late for him? No, it's about right. It's about in his um, in his wheelhouse. He's he's so he's a really interesting guy. I do think he's so he's a bit of a luxury. There's there's a bit of work to do with him. But so David Jarbo, he he was uh, born in Nigeria. He grew up in Aberdeen in Scotland. Um, and then went over to the States and uh, was at the same high school as Adafi Owe. And he went over to the high school to play basketball, Ajabo. And he saw Adafi Owe playing for the football team and was like, oh, I'll have a bit of that. Um, and started playing football and turned into this monster himself playing playing high school football. And then went to Michigan. He's played very little snaps. He's played less snaps than Owe played in college. So he's he's very inexperienced but actually is more developed as a pass rusher than Owe. He has more moves. He has more of a plan. So he's a really interesting guy. He tested very well, nowhere near as well as Owe, but nobody probably will at that position. So he's a guy that you bring in. There's some challenges with his run defense. I think he can set an edge. So I think he would work okay to start with, with the Ravens, but you basically bring him in as a situational pass rusher and let him get after the, get after the QB. He'd be an interesting guy to bring in and let him do that to sort of supplement our stable of pass rushers. Uh, and he'd be a luxury pick from that perspective, but he's got a very high ceiling considering how inexperienced he is in, in the game. Just to get this out, just get it out, this, out there on the podcast now, Mike McDonald and Mike McDaniel being in like two new coaching hires this year, <laughs> It, it is really not going to go down really well with me. You'll notice I went for Ravens DC then yeah. because I just, my brain were like, oh, are you sure? Are you sure? And I weren't. So um, Mike McDonald, the DC, not Mike McDaniels. That's going to cause me a lot of problems over the next year. Um, uh, anything else on edge? You've got the most athletic was Jermaine Johnson who ran a 4-5-8. God, that is quick, isn't it? I mean, it's crazy quick that from him. He's, uh, so he's, I really like him, really like him. He, he looks like a Raven on, on film. Uh, he's, so he's the guy who transferred out of the Georgia 
defensive line room to go play at Florida State and had a phenomenal year. So he's, you know, he's six foot four, 254 pounds and running a four, five, eight. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. I think he broad jumped over 10 feet as well, which is also insane. So he's, he's a really, he's a really intriguing guy. He has, uh, he has what you would term a, a three way go as a pass rusher. So he can go around you because he's got the explosion. He can come back inside you with, with some moves and he can run through you. Uh, and his run through you move, his speed to power move, his bull rush is, is deadly. And it's the, all of the other stuff he does is to set up his speed to power move to come through you. Uh, and he's a, he's a demon run defender. He sets a really physical, violent edge. So to me, he feels like a Raven. The, the concern with him is that the Browns are going to take him one spot before, <laughs> um, because they also need an edge rusher. So out of the uh, picks where the Ravens are, out of the guys we've talked about, obviously take Aiden Hutchinson out of it. Let's say uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ajabo are there. H- who are you taking? If you're pushing me, I'd probably take Johnson at this point just because of his fit and because you, you know, because he can play the run so well from day one. Um, but it'd be very, very close because Ajabo's fit is, is very good too. Ian, anything to add at this point? You you sort of taking the role that I usually do. Where I just sit back and listen. Everything. No, I'm, right just, I'm just drinking this all in. I'm, I'm nodding a lot. The, the Johnson one. He, he's a guy that I've seen a lot of on Twitter. People seem to really be getting on him. It was a Jarbo to start with. Everyone was was high on him, and I think a lot of the sort of Twitter folk are all coming around to Johnson now. I saw a couple of videos of him today, absolutely blowing up a running back sort of behind the line. He just screamed through. So yeah, I'm all in on that one as well. So talk about seeing videos online. I have the limited coverage of the combine that I've watched. All I have seen is videos of this guy starting fight. Well, I say start. It's not starting fights. Defensive linemen starting fights with him because he's just flattening people and then laying on them. And it, it, it looks very, very, very good. James, talk about Trevor Penning. And is there a chance if drops to the Ravens? So, I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, yes, he's definitely going to drop to the Ravens. Like this is, you know, this isn't a guy. So when you watch his film, uh, he's, he's very smooth. He's got efficient feet. Um, he's got, you know, he's got pretty solid placement with, um, his outside strike. Sorry, I'm getting into the weeds here of, um, player evaluation, but he's, um, he's great. I mean, he's phenomenal in the run game. He's his fit and finish with run blocks is insane. He's nasty. Like you say, he's driving guys into the ground. He's starting fights. He's got this attitude and demeanor that he would bring to the Ravens offensive line group. The challenge for me is that he can, um, basically one of the, one of the main issues with him, there's a couple of technical issues that, um, I think there is with him, but one of the main issues is when he doesn't see an inside move coming, he panics and he crosses his feet and he doesn't quite react to it very well. So, Pass rushes do have a, a way to beat him. And we did see that at the senior bowl when he was at the, at the senior bowl. So I do think there are some technical things that are a challenge with him. So those technical things kind of dropped him down my radar a little bit. And then he went to the combine and, and the combine shouldn't change your grade. But first of all, he's got over 30, 34 inch arms, which is, which is what you want. He's six, seven. He's 325 pounds and he ran a four, eight, nine, 40. So he ran out of the gym as well. So <laughs> he also puts put on some 
other numbers were great. His agility numbers, his explosive numbers. So the guy, um, the guy's ridiculously athletic. He's the prototype of what a Raven offensive lineman would look like. There are lots of technical issues that I think he needs to resolve at the next level, but he is coming out of Northern Iowa. So he hasn't necessarily had the highest level of coaching. Um, so, and we've seen Spencer Brown grow in the league with, with Buffalo. He was from Northern Iowa and came out last year. So Penning is a develop, like, I think there is some development, a lot of development that's needed, but he's got a very high ceiling. And so now we're seeing him mocked in the top 10. So he may not even get to the Ravens at 14. Uh, there are rumors. If you kind of I, like, I think I've heard Daniel Jeremiah say this, maybe someone else as well, but Jeremiah obviously used to work for the Ravens said that if Penning is there at 14, ride it in in pen, they're, they're going to take him. Uh, but also most people now seem to, well, people who are sort of in the know a bit are mocking him eight to Carolina. So, and even some people six. So I, that, he may be gone. Uh, that's really interesting hearing that because I, I put out on Twitter yesterday, I knew we were doing this. So I sort of put out, you know, if the draft was tomorrow, who would you want the Ravens to take? And absolutely, the biggest need for the Ravens is tackle. Absolutely nobody that replied picked a tackle. They all went with the other positions. But what I did get was two or three people say, anyone but Penning. And I think the concerns with him are, and I don't, I haven't looked into the guy, so I don't know if this is true or not, that he was the most penalised player in, in college football. So the Ravens gave up a ton of offensive line penalties last year. Would they really want to go through that again? Um, there was a video shared by a, I think it was the Giants who said, look at this guy, he's throwing people around everywhere. And he's just chucked the DN straight into the quarterback and, you know, probably got his quarterback ACLs teared and, and all the rest of it. And and there was a couple of really small guys, I think, at the senior bowl who just pushed him backwards. So I think I think Twitter are, are sort of on the fence. So it's interesting to see you talk so, so highly about him. Does the point still stand that the... Ravens scheme would suit someone who's maybe a little bit rougher because you've got Lamar Jackson and the blocking scheme is a little easier. Does that still stand? Are we moving away from that a little bit? I think I think probably move away from that a bit given what happened last season. You know, there's only so much that Lamar can account for. The rest of the time, he's going to need some protection. And when you we know when you put an elite offensive line around around Lamar, he's he's going to be an MVP candidate. So I think it is worth you know investing in it. I think that so to be clear, Ian, I would not I I would not take him at fourteen. Um I think I have I have fourteen other players, at least fourteen other players graded higher than him. I think he's a great fit with the Ravens. I think there are a lot of technical issues that he has to clean up. And as I start to count up the technical issues that I think he has to clean up, I start to think there's less and less chance of him hitting the ceiling that he, he definitely has. So I start to then account for that and to bring him down in terms of a grade. There are other things, not just the inside move that he, so he, he often uses an inside hand that is, you would often use as an offensive lineman, you use your inside hand to kind of steer the guy up the arc and then run the arc with him. Um, Penning does that occasionally because he's so athletic, so he can steer him up and then run after him because he's got the, the athleticism to do it. Sometimes he pushes too hard with the inside arm and pushes him too far up the arc and then loses. So there's lots of little technical things like that. All of those can be fixed. So you are betting on the upside. I don't think it's the, the worst pick in the world if he's taken at four, if they do take him at 14. He's not that far off in my, in my evaluation. What you are doing by taking Penning 
I think is forsaking a potentially really talented defensive player. So the thing that people should think really when they think about that is there's going to probably be a ta- really talented defensive player that drafts like Derwin James did the year we took Lamar. The Ravens traded out of the pick, didn't take uh, Derwin James and instead took Hayden Hurst. So that's the kind of risk you're running there is that you potentially pass on, and obviously Derwin James had the injuries, but you potentially pass on a, an all pro type defender for a guy that fills a need. And yeah, he's got a high ceiling and he might turn into a great offensive tackle, but there's a lot to fix there. Yeah. So I, I mentioned earlier that I'm sort of coming around to the, the DB train. So Penning's what the, your fourth graded tackle. Yeah. Is that, is that right? So, and obviously it's the Ravens biggest need. So when it gets to 14, is the fourth graded tackle higher than maybe the number one cornerback say is that's where p- positional value then comes in is that what we're saying so I think I mean again I'm not grading players but what I've seen of Derek Stingley like if, if he's there at 14 and Penning's there at 14 I'll probably get killed for this but I think maybe I'd take Stingley over it would it would be crazy if they didn't take Derek Stingley if he was there and Penning was still on the board for me it would be that would be um really great Derek Stingley could end up being the best player in this draft in a couple of years um and he's gonna fall because he hasn't played really for two years he was possibly one of the best freshmen we've ever seen as a corner and uh then he's had some injury concerns and he didn't run at the combine uh, but he'll test out at the gym when he does run at his pro day he's got a list frank issue which could be which is an which is an injury that could linger but yeah someone like him you just you you shouldn't pass on him for Trevor Penning. I don't think uh, I wouldn't do it. Okay, this is the look at it. How you've written the show script, James. This is a bit where you've started to go a little bit off the rails. Well, so <laughs> <let's> just, <laughs> I th- think it's worth just quickly touching on Kyle Hamilton. Um, Definitely, you're, you're going to break my heart on this guy. Can you just lie to me and say there's a chance he's there at 14? <laughs> he's. I I think there's very little chance. I think maybe that maybe something to. So in all seriousness, I haven't actually talked about this much on on a lot of podcasts. Um, I do think he. So I, there I are... haven't talked about this much <laughs> on a lot of podcasts. Well, just the, just the, the five I've been on this week. brag I've ever heard in my life. I've not, I've not <laughs> had a chance to. So I've not had a. Basically, what I was trying to say is I've not had a chance to talk about Cal Hamilton yet. Um, I think uh, it was not a surprise to me that he ran a four five eight forty, which is what he ran, which is a little bit. You know, if you're looking for a, you know, you know, most safeties you want them to be, you want them to like. Eat, it's not a bad time for a safety four five eight. It just it just it, the time wasn't bad. It just looked so <laughs> slow, didn't it? Like it, just, it did. just in his mo- his movement, it just looked like it was slowed down. It was really strange. And when the time came in, I thought, well, yeah, that's okay. I appreciate that slow, but it looked like it was going to be like it looked like Rich Eisen like running out <laughs> there. Like, it just looked. I know something about his movement. It just looked so slow. The the thing about him is he so his range. Is, is exceptional. And the reason that like for a safety speed is important, but as long as you are around the four or five, if you're, if you process the game at a high level, so that the, the highlight real play from him that people like to show is the interception he got, I think against Florida state, I think it was against where he comes across from the, um, from the far hash mark and intercepts the ball on the sideline. So he runs like a lot, and don't forget the hashes are wider in college football. So he comes from a long way to get that interception. He um he like he comes from a long way to get that ball. 
So that, but the reason, if you watch that back, what you'll see is he starts to react very early and he, he doesn't get there just with speed. He gets there through his intelligence and he gets there through the angles he takes. I have some issues with the way he goes backwards, actually. Some of his, um, angles when he has to run on a diagonal backwards, it can be a little bit suspect, but that's a tiny technical issue that, that isn't going to be a, a problem in the NFL. He's a physical freak. He's, he's very, very big. He's very, very smart and he'll, he can play everywhere. He's a perfect fit for the Ravens defense. Um, but there's a- absolutely no way he gets to 14. Um, everything I'm hearing, uh, I'm, I'm processing all the information you give me, James, and everything is telling me we're going to trade back. <laughs> everything, everything is, there's just too many, there's just too many options. And I think someone's going to pick up the phone and he's going to say, I can get value in five picks time. Let's, let's go back. I just the, think that's where we're going. I think you're right. The only argument against that is that I think we're very close to a tier break in talent. So I, I okay. would not want us to go back too far unless yeah. a lot of guys get pushed up. The the other thing to mention is that the the offensive tackles tested very well at this this combine. The three that aren't penning that are in my top four. Um, I can mention before Ika McQuano, Charles Cross, and uh, Evan Neal. If Ika McQuano falls even like three, four spot, like if he falls to like six or seven or eight. I, I'll be praying that we go up and get him because he's he's special. Um, but I don't think he gets the 14. Um, obviously, we're looking at now if a couple of quarterbacks go early from the teams that are needing. Speaking of quarterbacks, James, this is where you sort of <laughs> fell off the rails. Um, I'm not even going to read this bullet point out. I'm going to let you read it out and explain what you mean. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm not going to read it out. I don't think as I was hoping that you would read that out. But, <laughs> um, there's a lot of I'll read, out the, I'll read out the bullet points for the listener because they want to know. Um, Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, has <laughs> hands. And Trent, <laughs> Trent McDuffie has T-Rex arms. <laughs> talk to, is, it, talk is this to me about... like proper verbiage that your scouting academy <laughs> yeah. teaches you? Like, is this what you've been paying for? I mean, the buttons, I'm not even sure really that people can say that. Is that okay to say that? I don't I feel like I'm, I feel like we're taking the mick out of someone who's in very unfortunate circumstances, Gaz. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Should I know that is? Is that a thing? You don't. You know, you know, come on. Come on. You know, no. What, what year did How that young come are you? What year did oh, that come wow. out? Wow. Just move on. Move on. Right. That's worrying. Oh, Google hand and you'll okay. see what i mean um so this is all get, there's cut. always a thing about <laughs> <laughs> it's not there's always a thing oh that's tight sorry go on. there's always a thing about we really do have to cut this bit <laughs> so always a thing <laughs> there's always a thing about qu- size of hands for for quarterbacks and uh kenny pickett has historically small hands for for a quarterback prospect so it'll be really interesting to see how teams take that into consideration. Uh, he he did have some fumbling issues at Pitt as well. So these these QBs are they're a big question mark, and it'll be interesting to see if any of them do get pushed up um, above where the Ravens pick. Uh, don't think we've seen anything at the Senior Bowl. Don't think we've seen anything at the Combine that would suggest that they are worthy of being pushed up above the Ravens pick. But someone always seems to you know. Everyone remembers, you know, you should remember the Christian Ponder year when, you know, a bunch of Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, there was a bunch of Jake Locker, a bunch of guys got took in the top 15 when they never should have been. So be interesting to see what happens with those guys. Okay. And um, 
I'm going to leave it in, but I'm going to bleep out anything for any reference. So it's going to be like an odd little reference point for the for the podcast there. And just before we get off this, I will say, um, Mr. Tickle impersonator has, has properly, properly stuck with me. My my new boss at work is very long in the arms and legs, and it's my new favorite saying is that every, everyone, every time he's out of the office and someone comes in, I'm like, oh, he's probably out doing like Mr. Tickle impersonation. And it's like, the, it, it's awesome. So thank thank you for that. That's almost as good as the, the, two, the two that are on the sheet in front of me. Okay, shall we have a minute? Let's just have a minute, reset, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about free agency. Okay, quick reset. So let's look at free agency then. When this podcast will return will be next Thursday, the 17th of March, but we're going to record it on Wednesday, the 16th of March as we discussed last week in a very lengthy outro that wasn't required. It, that will mean that legal tampering, we've all just Googled it, we can confirm that legal tampering opens on the 14th. and So we'll have two days of legal tampering. So we'll know quite a lot of moves that are going to happen, but they all won't officially start happening until the 16th, which is the start of the new league year. It does mean that as we're recording on next Wednesday, a few things might be going on as the like, actual free agency period opens and the league year starts. We might have some moves, so it's going to be super exciting next week. But it does mean this week we have the chance to preview it. So, Ian, let's start with discussing Ravens free agents. Whether we think they're going to stay, whether we'd like them to stay, or whether we think the, the Ravens just aren't going to afford them. And with that in mind, let's start with podcast guest Bradley Bozeman. We spoke briefly before we started recording. It looks like he's going, doesn't it? I think everyone expects this one. I don't I don't see a way that, that Bozeman stays. Um, I think it's been well reported that the Ravens and him are, are pretty far away in, in numbers. Um, and I've seen an awful lot of, of noise today on Twitter from various teams who are who are very interested. I think he's going to have a very healthy market and I think he's going to get paid. I think he deserves to get paid. Um, and, and he's going to be a loss. He's going to be a loss on and off the field. And I think that's, that's why he's going to be in such high demand is not, not just his play, but, but what he brings off the field as well. He's, he's been the Walter Payton man of the year nominee two two years running for the Ravens. Um, and, and he's just such, such a good guy. And, and his, his players has got better. We only see it, saw him as the starting centre one year for the Ravens, and I think his play in, improved through through the year. And um, I don't see any reason why going to a new team that it won't continue to improve. So I think he's he's sadly going to be a big loss. James, where do you think he's going? Anywhere but the Bengals. Is that, <laughs> is, that, is, that, is, that, is that all we can hope for at this point? I said before the podcast, Tennessee. For whatever I think reason, Bengals are going to be too cheap to pay him what he wants. I think. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's, someone's going to bet on his, on his upside, I think, because it, it, you know, they, someone's going to have to overpay to get him. Um, but I think, you know, he's, he's as good a bet as any to overpay on if you're going to overpay on someone, because I do think he's only scratching the surface of his potential at center at the moment. Excellent. And possible replacements, Ian, there's a lot of buzz about a potential, um, 
What's the word? I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? Reunion. Reunion. I had reconnection. I couldn't get it. Reunion with uh, Ryan Jensen. Yeah, I've seen a lot of this. And again, surely he'd be too expensive for the Ravens, wouldn't he? I I don't know. I see um, a piece in SI today saying that the Ravens would be very interested. What they they should be interested in bringing him back. I just don't don't know whether they can they can afford to. Um, I think maybe we're kind of we're going to come on to some predictions later, and there might be a couple of cheaper cheaper options they can look at. Um, I'd, I'd love Jensen back again. Twitter as soon as soon as there was mention that he might get cut, that that was it. You know, everyone wanted him back, but I, I don't know if they can afford it. Yeah. Okay. So let's start looking at the pretty much all the defensive side. In fact, let's talk about Pat Ricard now. And then from Pat, we'll talk Pat Ricard and Sammy Watkins. Then we'll go through the defense because most of the big names are over there. So Pat Ricard, James, what do we think? Yeah, didn't look like he's coming back either. He seems to be um, talking about himself as a tight end fullback hybrid um, and wanting to get some some more money because of that potential. I can see it. You know, I think he can play as a wing. Um, so I do think that's 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 sensible from him and his agent and that will probably price him out of a um a, a price amount of staying in Baltimore. And that's seems like it's on the cards that he's gonna go. I'm I'm we we probably shouldn't talk about that because I'll go down a, a rabbit hole of um of despair uh, because I absolutely adore the guy. Um and I think he's yeah, he's a, he's the epitome of a raven. Um and you know I I grew up watching the Raven, like Ravens fullbacks of old, um, Lorenzo Neal and Bonta Leach and like, just, it's, uh, it's disappointing to lose a guy like him, but it, it you know, doesn't make financial sense. It's a business. He's they're gonna, they're gonna have to move on. We all love Ricard, I think, and uh, it's going to be sad, sad to see him go, but it is the, the old 80, 20 rule. If you can get 80% of his production for 20% of the, the price, you've got to do it. And they, they drafted Mason last year. That had to be with, you know, the thought they were moving on from Ricard. I know it didn't work out with Mason. They got rid of him. They brought him back, blah, blah, blah. But it had to be with the thought that, that they weren't going to re-sign Ricard in, in the future. And the guy's put his body on the line for the Ravens. He's taken a lot of stick this year from people saying he's playing too many snaps. He's taking snaps away from the wide receivers. He's playing that many snaps because the offensive line can't block. And he's putting his body on the line for the team. He, he deserves to get paid. So Ben Mason is back with the Ravens in case you missed it on a reserve future contract. So there is some depth there. James, you really liked him coming out of the draft, didn't you? So it'd be interesting to see if he gets a chance next year. I did like him. I think he's um, he's a very different type of fullback. You know, he's um, he's a little undersized coming out. So it'll be interesting to see what happened with this with his strength and conditioning over the past year. That was kind of why I liked him to the Ravens and um, hopefully maybe continue that at the Patriots, but because it gave him a, a year to kind of bulk himself up, up a bit. Um, he's, he looks like he could play well as a, as a pass catcher, but he didn't do a lot of it in college. So I do really like him. I like his projection, but um, you know, we'll see. He's, you know, he's very unproven and Pat Ricard is, is, a, is a phenomenal blocking fullback. Um, so we'll see what happens. So I, I probably didn't follow the Ravens quite as deeply or quite as much back then but what, what was it a similar feeling when um Kyle Juszczyk left or did we sort of know that Ricard was coming through the ranks at that point we certainly didn't know about Ricard um Juszczyk was 
very different in the way that he played. So I feel like Yushek was much more part of the passing game and was a was a real weapon, um, while still bringing something in the um, in, as a blocker. Mason is more in that mold, I think, than but but far less proven that Yushek came out of Harvard and was. Um, was was quite a weapon at, at Harvard, so we can you kind of saw what he could do on the field already. So Mason's a bit more of a projection, but yeah, you check when he left. I mean, it was very disappointing, because, but it was more because he was a kind of offensive weapon that that fit the Ravens really nicely and was a nice luxury. But you wouldn't have paid the Ravens wouldn't have paid you check what the 49ers paid him. So Did, didn't he get paid a sort of top ten running back money when when he left? It was huge the contract he signed. He got crazy money, but yeah. So, uh, Ricard will get, but I think he'll get good money on the on the open market if someone sort of sees him and thinks I could use this guy as a as a tight end, uh, you know, blocking tight end as well as a fullback. And maybe somebody also thinks they can get him play two ways and play some defensive line as well. I don't know. Okay, Sammy Watkins then. Ian came in to the Ravens last off season. We as a Ravens fan, expected way too much. Did okay, was good early on, had some had some really key catches in some key moments in, in key games. The the injury bug that Sammy Watkins has, has followed his entire career got him and he fell off towards the end of the year. Where do you, where do you stand on Sammy Watkins' season last year as a whole and where does that leave you going into the offseason with how to deal with him? Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the the start of the season, the first five or six weeks. Uh, after that, it it just drifted away, and and I think he's he's gone. Um, there's too much depth behind him, too much youth behind him. Duvernay, Prochet, Wallace, these these guys have got to be given a chance. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if if the Ravens draft a wide receiver somewhere very very late. I know they've got what ten picks, so. So maybe one of the one of the last two or three picks they they take a an absolute flyer on a guy, but I think this is the first the first season that I can remember where wide receivers not not a need, not a priority, and um, I think they should be pretty happy with the guys they've got. James, you mirror that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's start talking about the defense things. We've got uh, a lot of names on there to go at. Let's start with. Anthony Averett, James, where do you think we stand with Averett? It's an interesting one with Averett. I, I think he probably is gone because I think his market will be just slightly more robust than the Ravens are willing to pay. I, I don't think it's going to be a huge market for him. Like I don't, I don't think he's going to turn around and be one of the highest paid corners in the league or anything like that. Uh, but there'll be enough of a market that it probably prices him out of a move, move to move back to Baltimore. I just, I think he will get enough. Usually like solid corners get on a, on an open market, get paid silly money for a solid corner. Um, and I think that's probably what will happen. Somebody desperate will throw a bag at him and he'll, he'll be gone. Yeah. Linebackers, Ian, Josh Bynes, LJ Fort. One of them stays, one of them goes, do you think? Yeah, I think you, you're probably right unless you can get both of them back for very cheap. I'm not sure how old Bynes is now. Um, but but I guess he'd, he'd be getting up, up there in age. Um, as you say, I think prob- probably one of them stays, one of them goes, um, and, and the, neither of them are going to cost an awful lot of money either. So um, I, I don't think there's too much in it. 
Bynes is 32. LJ4 also 32. So two 32-year-old linebackers. Mm-hmm. LJ4 is going to be coming off that injury though, which is, is something to consider though. Yeah. So interesting. And then another cornerback, Jimmy Smith. And then we'll start talking about the defensive line. Jimmy Smith, James, a staple of the Ravens defense for years. He was once, uh, he's listened to Damashek's podcast and he t- talked about puzzle pieces a lot. And Jimmy Smith was always the guy that as soon as Jimmy Smith was back in the lineup from an injury, the Ravens defense just played better. And you took him out. And even though he wasn't necessarily a key contributor, especially in these later years, you take you took him out and everything seemed to fall to it. It was just the, the that that missing piece, the glue that held everything together, wasn't it? Yeah, he really was, and he's he's been a great Raven and a, a really great loyal servant as well. You know, I remember back in the draft, he there were some character concerns about him, uh, and they just just haven't manifested themselves at all. Uh, he's just been a great guy for the locker room, and and I just I, I think if he wants if he wants to carry on playing, there'll be a deal for him in Baltimore. Um, it's yeah. just whether it's enough of a deal to convince him to carry on playing is the thing. You know, I'm not sure you can pay a guy like Jimmy Smith the veteran minimum and expect him to turn out he, unless he's really still loves the game and still wants to play. But someone might offer him a bit more than the vet minimum and then he might go somewhere else. Right. I think there's a deal for him and there might be a deal to be made there because um, you need you need cornerback depth. So from from this from the list that we discussed, I think Jimmy Smith staying and the next guy we're going to talk about now, Ian, I think Sean Elliott stays as well. I think wow. they're the two that I think stays. Josh Bynes, I think, will stay. LJ Fort, I think, will go due to just that injury concern, unless he's looking really, really good in the preseason um, or in training camp, I guess. Um, but yeah, I've got Elliot and Jimmy Smith staying. Where are you? Where are you and Elliot? James is nodding his head at Elliot. I, I think Elliot's going to go. Um... Uh, I think, I think the best ability is availability, and and he just hasn't been available. He's mm-hmm. he, he he he's such a good player, but he's so reckless with his body. Like he just throws himself around, and uh, I don't think the Ravens are going to pay a guy that's that's not on the field. Um, I don't. I think someone will. Someone will will, will see the plays that he has made because because when he is on the field, he makes plays. Um, I was looking at the list. It's interesting you said too. I've I've got two staying as well. Jimmy Smith and a guy we haven't spoke about yet. Who I've just seen something on Twitter that's, that's probably going to change my mind. But I thought Justin <laughs> Houston, Justin Houston might stick around. So they they were my two. But no, I think Deshaun Elliott's probably going to get paid somewhere. Uh, so there's a couple of others. Uh, let's pick all pick ones to say. We've got Justin Ellis, um, Atara Alaka, Chris Bord, Devonta Freeman, Josh Johnson, Penel McPhee, Latavius Murray, David Sharp, Eric Tomlinson, and Chris Westry. Everyone can have one. Who are you taking? James. <sighs> this is hard because there's, there's a... Yeah. Because this is... I love the bottom end of the roster and trying to find the guy. So... The guy I would, uh, the guy I would keep, I, uh, he's, the guy I'm going to say I'm going to keep because I do think there's a couple of others that they probably will keep and it's probably more sensible to keep. But the guy I would keep is Justin Ellis because um, I just have a bit of a soft spot for Jelly. Um, I think he's been uh, a good servant and I think you need depth on the defensive line and I think they're going to lose Brandon Williams probably. So it probably makes sense to keep around an experienced nose um, who can do a job. I, you know, he's not a flashy guy, but there have been times when he's been um, really important 
um, through injury through injury challenges that they've had elsewhere on the roster. So I do kind of I've got a bit of a soft spot for Justin Ellis. So I'll say him. Ian, wow, this is hard from this list. Um, I probably would have said Devonta Freeman. I think he he was okay. I think he he did okay. But but James talking about the the running back depth in the draft has, has probably changed my mind a little bit there. We can probably pick someone up later. <sighs> so, mm-hmm. um, if he's cheap enough, give me Eric Tomlinson. Oh, if give he, me, give me if Chris he's cheap, Westry. very cheap. Oh, you want Mister Tickle? Yeah, give me Westry. Give me Westry from those. Give me the give me the youth and someone who can still have a chance to develop. But Eric Tomlinson, he'll be what late twenties, maybe even into his thirties by now. I, I would assume so. Yeah, give me the youth. I'll take um, Chris Westry. We didn't. I don't think we talked about Brandon Williams. But we think Brandon. We think Brandon's going over with James saying that Justin Jelly Ellis will stay around. Okay. The other Attention. guy, guys. Oh, just sorry, the other guys. Uh, I don't think we talked about Calais. Um Oh no, sorry. I, I, I think I, I think I teased that we talk about the defensive line last, and then missed it. Sounds, <laughs> like, think, something, sounds like something I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Calais has, has said he's coming back. He's he's returning. Obviously, he said that on Sky Sports Super Bowl coverage. I wouldn't know because I don't watch Sky Sports Super Bowl coverage. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he, I watched it to hear him right at the start and then turn it off. Um, so yeah, he's coming back uh, in terms of coming, not retiring. I. I you know he's he's paid a lot of money at the moment by the Ravens. It would have to be uh, a much better deal, team more team friendly deal. Um, I don't think he would have a massive market anymore. I think he's ironically by by coming to the Ravens, he's probably kind of nixed his value a little bit because he's you know his his sack totals have been far down the last last couple of years. Um, I think he's still worth it, and if and if you can get him on a on a nice deal, I think I would bring him back. The, the Ravens do need to get younger on the defensive line, but I, you don't know what you're going to get out of Derek Wolf next year with all the injuries that they've had, and they're losing Brandon Williams. It just feels like Justin Ellis isn't enough of a vet presence to bring back and to to be on that defensive line. You're going to need some bodies to to rotate. So you're not going to be able to fill enough through the draft on that front. So I would probably go with Clarence Campbell unless they've got their eyes on a younger defensive lineman in, in free agency that would cost the same. Awesome. Okay, we've got a list of possible free agents here in front of us. Unfortunately, you, the listener, do not have this list, but we do. So we have a list of free agents who have been linked to the Ravens, is it? Or PFF has suggested that there might be a good fit for potential Ravens. So let's just, we'll go around, we'll all take one, we'll do two laps. So we'll have as top six guys who we would like to see the Ravens sign, taking everything into consideration. That includes the fact that you have got to pay them. Let's not just pick the top six guys, shall we? So, Ian, I'll come to you first. Who are you taking? Off, we'll do it draft style. Once he's gone, he's gone. Who are you taking off the big board? Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad you came to me first because I'm going to go complete fantasy. This can't happen. It won't happen. The Ravens have got two very, very good starters at these positions already. They pay an awful lot of money to, to both of these players. But if you're giving me anyone off that list, then I'm taking JC Jackson. And how much fun would that be? <laughs> you'd, Marlon, you'd have Peters, you'd have Jackson back there. You've got to go up against Cincinnati twice a year. Why not? There's, you know... Just the things that that McDonald could do with those three guys back there, fantastic. 
But absolute pie in the sky won't happen. I mean, it's not going to happen because we're going to draft a cornerback in the first round. So I don't think we're going to bring a, a big cornerback free agent signing in as well. But like you say, we we have got to bear in mind what Cincinnati are, are doing. And we've got to draft and we've got to build this team now to, to stop that Cincinnati offense somehow. And we need to do it by getting to the quarterback or um, stopping those wide receivers getting open. So I like that. It's not who I had at the top of my board, which is good. My guy's still there. I've gone for the the splash. What have you got, James? You sure you don't want to go now, Gus? No, no, to get your no, game? no, no, no. I'll let, I'll, I'll... I'm, I'm convinced I'm not taking the guy you're taking. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so I'm I will, I'm going to go with Trent Brown, and the reason I'm going to go with Trent Brown. Um, is not necessarily because I absolutely adore the player. I don't. He's he's a good offensive tackle. He's a sorry. Let's say he's a solid offensive tackle, which in scouting academy language is average. Basically, I think he's slightly above average. The reason I'm taking him is because there's so much uncertainty at the offensive tackle position that you do have to get an offensive tackle this year in this off season that can start at some point. I, I like Makari at right tackle. I think he can do a good job for us. I, I don't know what's going on with Stanley. I think you have to get an offensive tackle. And when you take when you think about the draft, knowing you've got an offensive tackle in your pocket, it just opens up the draft completely. It makes you look at it differently. Because if you don't have an offensive tackle in your pocket, you're going to have to take one in the first or second round, probably, to get a guy that could potentially start. There's some interesting developmental tackles in this draft. But once you get through the second round, I'd be surprised if you find a guy that's going to start day one and be good. So I, I think I would take Trent Brown to open up the draft a bit more, but that will be a little bit on the expensive side. So that's possibly one thing to it. I, I will just, I will give a quick, so the first time that strategy was um, suggested to me was um, the deep cover podcast guys with them. Um, um, Chris and Kerry and Mike. <laughs> I just wanted to give them the credit. Um, not that I'm name dropping or anything, just that I heard that when they were talking. And so I do think that they should get a little bit of credit for, for coming up with that first. Not that they, I'm not sure they'll listen to us. So maybe they let's for my pick, let's go back in time. Nearly three years ago, the 13th of March, 2019, when a mistake was made, one of the biggest Ravens mistakes of the last few years. I, can't, I don't know where I'm going with this. It was, it was meant to be very... It's almost artistic. like you've rehearsed that. It was, <laughs> but I haven't. Um, 13th of March 2019, the Ravens sign Earl Thomas to a four-year deal. And the big mistake of that off-season was signing Earl Thomas. And now we've got the opportunity to right that wrong from three years ago. Give me Tyron Matthew, the safety that we should have took in 2019. He obviously had character concerns young, kicked out of LSU for weed, I think it was, which is now pretty much legal in most of America, so it's not that much of a big deal. A um, few character concerns, came out a little bit rough, went to Kansas City, and has just been awesome ever since. And we had a guy who was sleeping with his brother. So let's let's just let's just right the wrong of um three years ago and give me Tyron Matthew safety, who was with Kansas City. So we won't do this snake style. We'll go back across the board to Ian for your second round pick. So 
can I cheat and take someone that's not even on the list? Yeah, come on. Does that work? Okay. So um, I was looking through the list and there's not a centre on here. So uh, the Ravens are going to lose Brad- Bradley Bozeman. He- he's going to go. Um, Makari, we spoke about, I like him at right tackle. I like him as a swing tackle. Fine. I'm, I'm not sure I want to see him play centre again. Tristan Colon Castillo, again, I'm I'm convinced he's got a touchdown in him. I'm sure he's going to catch one if Greg Roman calls the right play. But again, I'm not sure I want to go into a season with him as my centre. Drafting a a, a rookie centre hasn't tended to work out all that well. So uh, give me Ben Jones, who's the centre for the Tennessee Titans. I think he's out of contract. He's he's getting up there in age now. He'd be 32 or 33. But I think you can probably get him on a one of these sort of two-year deals where you only really pay them for one year. And then we, we've got a stack of draft picks. Maybe James will tell us there's a guy in the third, fourth, fifth round that we can draft. We can, you know, we can let him sit for a year or two, le- learn the scheme, learn the system. Um, I want to go into the season with a centre that, that I can trust. This guy's always available. <laughs> PFF of... of I was looking him up on PFF because I I don't know a ton about him, but and they've got under his strengths high percentage of positively graded blocks in the run game, and then under weaknesses they've got high percentage of negatively graded blocks in the run game. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was slightly confused by that, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Ben Jones from the Tennessee Titans to play to play center. Okay, James, who have you got in your last pick? Oh, I'm really torn on this one. I, sh- uh, I wrote the I wrote the script. I should have should have been better prepared. Really, shouldn't have. Been. <laughs> um, I think the guy I'm going to go with, and I, I, like this is because I've got a bit of a. So when the Ravens picked up Calais Campbell, I was very happy. I oh no, I think you might be taking my guy. Loved. Oh, maybe not. I loved. So I loved Calais when he was when he was coming. So this is predicated on us not signing Calais Campbell back. Um, but would be Akeem Hicks, um, who I really like as a player. Akeem Hicks is, is, um, he's a phenomenally talented defensive lineman. Uh, there's a great, uh, if you go on YouTube, there's a great, um, video of him, um, with, I think it's with Brian Baldinger in the, in the film room, talk, breaking down his own play and talking about how he, like how he wins as a pass rusher. Um, I really like Akeem Hicks as a player. I think he's a great character for the locker room as well. He's a ca- he's a leader. I think if you don't sign Calais Campbell, I think uh, he'd be a great guy to to pick up and bring in some veteran leadership. I think he'd probably be on the lookout for a, a slightly cheaper deal with a team like the Ravens, who are a contender. If, try and get him away from Chicago um, and get him into a building where he might actually win something. Okay. Last pick, me. First of all, for this, this is obviously this is even more dreaming than um, Ian's first JC Jackson pick. But here's where I'm going. First of all, I'm going David Ajabo at 14. So I've got two young, quick edge rushers in Oweyman and Ajabo. And then what I'm doing is I'm trying everything I can for a short deal to bring Chandler Jones in and just put that veteran in that room with those two guys just for a year. A two-year deal that's got a, a, a cut out after the first year, the same sort of contracts that you were just talking about, James. But bring those two quick, young, hungry guys in, throw Chandler Jones in there to be a leader of the room for a year, 
let him have a year and move on. But let's just have that one year with those three guys and let's see how good Cincinnati's offense is and let's see how good they, they are at building that O-line. That's I mean, it. We can't afford him, but that that that's the dream. I'd rather take Chandler Jones over JC Jackson, I think. I think. I'm sure. I really like the idea of bringing someone in to just to develop the guys underneath them. JC Jackson adds adds something to a group that's already established and as Ian says it is, is a good group. Edge feels like somewhere that we just need in, in the same way as what um Justin Houston has done yeah. this year with yeah. him, but just someone who's just got a little bit more gas in the tank, so can not only be that um teacher and leader in the room, but can also make a, a huge effort and then push Lamar's contracts back, pay Lamar next offseason, Chandler Jones Chandler Jones goes in the offseason and it's all right because we've got a Lombardi in the in the cabinet, which will which will be good. Anything else on the free agency before we go? No. No, nope. well, this has been an absolute marathon. What's what we on about an hour twenty? An hour and a half. An hour and a half. An hour and a half with three of us. Wow, what an absolute marathon. Okay, <laughs> let's get out of here. This is gonna be a surprise episode as well. So um you're welcome, listeners, if you've got this far. We couldn't let we couldn't we couldn't talk about like the free agency and the combine and not have a show without James on. So we had to we had to put this together. I say we had to put this. Together. James had to put this together for for it, for it to be a lot about James. There's a really vain show script from you today, James. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'm either so. big time or I'm vain. Or... <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into it again. Let's get out of here. So we will actually this time be back next week. Back to next back to weekly shows that bi-monthly or fortnightly or whatever we said didn't last very long so we'll be back next week thursday the 13th of march where we're going to talk about everything that's happened on the legal tampering period before the new season starts on wednesday the 16th of march when we'll actually be recording the podcast so there's going to be loads of news to talk about if you want to come on the show be involved talk to us sending questions do whatever you want to do please do that at ukravenshow at gmail.com and until next week let's go Ravens thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast this podcast is created hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. This is all getting cut.